Hey yo, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, beautiful people of the internet. Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Life of We Got a Heck of a Guest for You Today. I'm not gonna talk about it too much. I'm just gonna get right into it. Before we do so, I have to let you know today's episode is brought to you by my homies over at Shanti Bar. You guys already know what it is. Shanti Bar is the ultimate post-workout snack, meal replacement when you're on the road or you just need something to get you through to your next big meal. Super balanced macronutrient profile, really, really good clean source of protein, high in protein so you can take it after that workout and it's not gonna upset your gut. You guys know I crush one of these every single workout. For today's video only, what I'm gonna be doing, because as you guys may or may not know, I recently restocked the Dream It Do It custom genuine leather lifting straps. I have set aside five pairs. The first five people to go snag up a box or two or three of Shanti bars from their site using my code DREAM25, you send me a screenshot of your order, you send me a screenshot of your completed order of Shanti bars, and I'm gonna send you a pair of the Dream It Do It lifting straps absolutely for free. So you guys can go take advantage of that. Link in description. Dream25 is the code to get 25% off at checkout. And you'll also get one of these for free. So you're literally gonna you're gonna get double. These are basically they retail for the same. So you're gonna get one, buy one, get one. It's kind of cool. So yeah, go do that. First five people send me a screenshot. I'm gonna send you a pair of Dream and Do It straps for free. That's all I got for you guys. Hit that subscribe button and let's get into the interview. <laughs> Yeah, what happened? This just it's just the thing where the road mic hangs onto the arm and the plastic. I mean, it's th it's thick, strong plastic, and it just snapped off. Dude, you want to hear a funny story about mics? Yeah, so, tell me. I didn't have a mic until like three days ago, and then when you messaged me back and you're like, "Yeah, I'll come on," I was like, "Man, my ding dong is not going to look." big enough next to yours because I was just using, <laughs> I was just using the mic attached to my headphones I knew I needed a mic but I was like I was like waiting I was like I don't know but something will make me buy one one day and then I was like oh snap I gotta step my game up right now I'm honored I'm honored he's gonna judge me how you doing man so I got you I got you I was the guest that inspired you to get a new mic that's awesome <laughs> yeah and meanwhile you're holding yours in your I know this is crazy I'm like wait what and then I, I looked and actually the plastic that broke road makes good stuff too i'm surprised that this would happen to one of their mics is it like is it it's just donezo right now you can't you don't even think you'll be able to get it back on no 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 i don't know if you can i'll try to hold it up closer to the camera but do you see how like the actual oh plastic, yeah wow like from there oh wow yeah, but i can hold it it's not a big deal <laughs> that's funny i was i was on amazon this morning too i was looking at arms because i was like he doesn't he won't be able to see this but i'm standing it up on like some protein bars right now oh too. i like it i so like, like it i'm still i'm still piecing this thing together man good on you yeah how are you nice to meet you i'm awesome nice to meet you too life's life's i i i don't know if this is something to be proud of but i'm living the dream in someone else's nightmare what does that mean that means that um I was fortunate enough for um, to to find CrossFit and um, be inoculated from chronic disease by following the CrossFit uh, CrossFit protocol. I'm deeply aware that if you don't eat refined carbohydrates and sugar, that COVID is safer than um, falling down a flight of stairs. Sure. And it just seems like that information is just not out there, and it's just so obvious to those of us who are who do practice the the CrossFit protocol, you know, and, and, and the foundation of that being nutrition. And then on top of that, I'm quarantined, you know, whatever that means yeah. with these three, um, my three favorite, 
um, four favorite human beings and my three favorite film subjects of all time. <laughs> and, and then we're in the social media age where you can just publish for free on a platform and have a oh, built in audience. It's, it's really, uh, um, I, I know you didn't ask this, um, but hopefully you find this of interest. When I, when I first started making videos, there was nowhere to publish your content. Right. Crazy. And it was, yeah. So basically you had to go to public access mm-hmm. and, and basically you needed when I, the only reason why I got into video editing was because um, I was, I was homeless at the time, but Apple had released a laptop. It was, a what was it? It was called like the clamshell or something. It was like their G4 laptop okay. and it came out with um, final cut pro. And the day that came and I had saved like $12,000 working at a home for disabled adults and just living around town sleeping wherever I could making $7 an hour eating out of dumpsters. But I had this $12,000 in the bank and I'm like, Oh, and I knew nothing about video editing cameras, nothing. And I just bought all that stuff and I bought a car and I plugged the computer into the cigarette lighter and I just started making videos. It was so crazy at the time, but there was nowhere to publish. There was no, there was not even an internet. You basically had to, uh, if you, if you, um, had questions, you had to call a hotline. Yeah. You know what I mean? And wait yeah. on hold yeah. for Apple for hours. Dude, there's no 10, Google. Yeah. Yeah. It was 10 DVDs to load. And so when I got hired at CrossFit in 2006 and they would actually publish my stuff to YouTube and I could get feedback and like, I knew a couple thousand people would see it. I was like, Holy shit. And so many people take that for granted now that they can just yeah. publish their stuff and put it to Instagram. But, um, or whatever platform they're using, but it wasn't always like that. People ask me like why, cause for the last probably like seven months or so, I've been making a video every single day mm-hmm. and people ask me like why? And it's, it's that, it's that the publication access. Like if I was going through a medium, I don't think I would have the motivation to do it, but it's the connection to an audience and that direct response and that be able to like have a thought in your head, put it on camera, edit it and put it out there's something like just so addicting to that and so satisfying. Like that upload button is like a hit of heroin. Every time I do it, it's like, you know what I mean? Just like wakes you up in the morning. I love, if I don't have to upload a video in the morning, it's like a crappier morning for me. Like I love waking up and uploading. It's like my favorite. Right. That's awesome. And, And that is the way to use, in my opinion, social media as a publishing platform and not as a, a, as something just to scroll through and get, you know, you see dancing girls on reels and you're just like so tempted to push the button, but yeah, it's best just to publish. Yeah. Step away and start working on your next video. Yeah. That, even, it sounds like you put good, healthy pressure on yourself. Yeah, man. Even if like, even if, you know, I have a video coming out that day or if I have what, I, like it's all business for me on social for the most part. Like I, I, I try to stay off for the reasons you said, like the scrolling, whatever you can watch social dilemma. Like there's so much, there's so much knowledge out there. And I feel it too with built up anxieties and stuff like that. Like it's definitely a hit when you look at your like button and you see how many people have liked your photo, even recently with view counts, man, like view counts on YouTube is a tough thing to wrap your head around, especially when you're creating content super frequently, because it's intrinsically tied to your success on the platform, right? Like you need views, you need subscribers, you need comments, you need likes but you're putting out a video super frequently. It's not the end of the world. If one video doesn't do as good, because the next day you have an opportunity. That's why I like uploading so frequently because it gives me the mandate, but then also gives me the opportunity to succeed frequently. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's using it as, you know, a transactional measure is great, but definitely when you get obsessed with either the metrics, like the vanity metrics, or you're just sitting there scrolling constantly, it's like the death of like human interaction. 
That's right. why I like this. That's why I like talking to people for like one to two to three hours because it's like it breaks down those walls of like, I don't just need to send you a two line DM. Like we're going to have a conversation, expand on your thoughts. Like it's not going to be clipped. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And, and it is like that, right? A lot of times you're typing and then you're like, oh, I really want to say this. And you're like, oh, this is going to be long. I'm not going to type it. Forget it. <laughs> well, and even like people misunderstanding stuff nowadays, man, the world we live in, like them, even in vlogs, like if I'm putting out a 10 to 12 minute vlog, which is what I do every day, it's like, you know, I'm a lot more cautious with what I say and what I allow myself to say that I am on here because it's like, if someone listens to this and listens to its entirety, they'll hear my thought. Whereas if I say something in a one to two minute clip, it's like, you may not get the context of what I'm saying. I may not have enough time to expand on it because it'd be a boring vlog. So it just puts that pressure on to like really oversense yourself, which for comedy is not a good situation right now, right? <laughs> tough, tough. We'll get into that. Okay. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to jump to the beginning. First of all, do you have any idea who I am? No, no, sir. Okay. I figured not. Do you remember the first DM I sent you? Uh, no. Okay. So but I told- let me, let me, let me, let me say this. <laughs> yeah. You're making, I, I had some feeling bad creeping. I'm 48 <laughs> and, um, I have three kids and I'm like obsessed with them. It has nothing to do with, uh, with you. It has to do with just my, where I put my attention. Let me also just say, I asked those questions fully with the, I was setting something up. I was fully expecting the answer to be no. I knew okay. the answer was going to be no. Here's the other thing, man. I've interviewed and worked with and filmed with and met pretty much every CrossFit Games athlete ever. And people always ask me about like, oh, what's it like to meet them? Oh, is it weird? Is it because they see them as these celebrities, right? It's like these bigger than life personalities. But I'm sure as you know, once you meet one and you understand that it's a person, it's like whatever. It doesn't really, there's nothing special about it. You respect their craft and what they can do and it's impressive. That's a separate thing, but it doesn't have that like star-like celebrity. But you... (laughs) <laughs> and he were in Mars when I first met them and you and it's that's different because it's my world you know what I mean so anyway you're like you're like the Matt Fraser of my world oh thank you uh I sent you a message like May 23rd 2018 Savon I'm a huge fan of your work you're extremely talented blah 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 my name's Nate I've been coaching CrossFit full-time for three years now I've recently started doing media at a gym went on to say, I just think I could learn so much from shadowing you and watching you work. I'd do literally anything. I'd take your camera batteries and charge them, get you coffee, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. I'd love to come out and help you. And you just replied back and you said, you're way too kind. I basically oh. shocked you up for like an hour. Do you get that a lot? Is that like, <laughs> uh, do you know I don't work there anymore? Yep. I know. Yep. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, you know, it, it's, uh, during game season, they'll start mm-hmm. coming in, you know, maybe mm-hmm. two or three a week, but outside mm-hmm. of that, no, I don't get that a lot. I get a lot of people really, people are very, very nice to me on social media. I get mm-hmm. a, no matter what I say, it seems like I get a lot of really nice responses and even mm-hmm. people disagree with me. They're 99% cordial. Mm-hmm. Um, someone recently, I made a video of me, um, getting my boy to throw a ball with his left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, because I haven't practiced both right and left hand and someone DM me saying I was a Nazi continue on with your Nazi practice. Like I was like forcing him to do it or something. But other than that, it, yeah, it's a pretty nice. Yeah. And I'm, I try to, um, there's actually people who DM me like that. Um, there, there was a, a young lady out of Los Angeles, um, uh, Lillian Fuentes and she Uh just one day just right before I was going to a regional in Del Mar she hit me up and said hey um, I have a camera and I want to film and uh, I don't think she had very much experience but she came she filmed 
And I, then I bought her the most powerful Apple laptop that existed. And I just started dragging her around to regionals with me. <laughs> and That's now, now she gets more work than I do in the CrossFit ecosystem. And I'm so like, and all my, all my colleagues and friends are like, dude, what are you fucking 16? Just letting yeah. some random person from Instagram. I go, dude, it's what life's about, man. Dude. So and that really is- impressed me. That is an interesting story because that's pretty much exactly why I brought this up because, you know, I was just starting CrossFit at the time or starting filming in CrossFit, excuse me, at the time. And you and, you know, Heber and Mars on the documentary side, but you guys had a, a pretty stronghold on the, on the content space in CrossFit. There wasn't much outside content that was successful. So I assume a lot of people were looking up to you as I was. And to give like a brief context for anyone, maybe a little bit newer to CrossFit, you were the director of media. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. For, for CrossFit Inc. For CrossFit Inc. For a while. And you directed the behind the scenes series of the games for like five or six or seven years or something crazy like that. And that was the catalyst for me to get into this. That was your work was the single motivation for me to start creating content in CrossFit. Um, and it was a big inspiration to my style and a bit more of like a documentarian playoff the subject type style, which I really like. Um, and I saw that as like something I wanted to get. So I just, I just sent the DM, whatever, bombed it out there. I sent probably 50 more of those all went unanswered as well to me. No, 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 oh, not to you, not to oh, you, like to 50 other people. And over the course of like doing that three, four, five, six months later, whatever, I got one reply from Heber right before Wadapalooza. And it was the exact same story that you just told me about regionals. I was able to, I was going down there anyways. So I just like ran over, helped them shoot one episode as right as they were starting buttery bros, volunteered, helped them shoot another, did it again in London. And then, they kind of stuck and they're like, Oh, you're okay. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. You went to London with them. Yep. Awesome. You the yeah. man, you the man, good hustle. And, and uh, after London, those were the first, so Waterpalooza and London were the first two times I just like followed them and volunteered and just like got the opportunity because I was there. And then after that, they were like, okay, cool. Like we could use your help. And they started flying me around and they hired me. And I worked for them for like eight months or so on Buddy Rose. Do you think the reason I'm telling this whole story and the reason why I started here is one to set our relationship, but also do you think that's a, a, a good way to go about things nowadays with social is to just put yourself close to that fire, find someone who's doing what you think you want to do and like try to get closest to the burning light. Yes. Do you think, <laughs> do you, yeah, I go, can go. expand, but yes. Yeah. expand. Um, go for it. <clears throat> So that is what you just said is what I, um, uh, I get a lot of people who I get that more often than people asking if they can work with me. People just saying, Hey, thanks for inspiring me from your work. Mm -hmm. Um, so in 2006, I was producing some shows for ESPN and, and, um, there was a security guard there and there was a break and he was like, just crazy fit. And I, he said, uh, I said during the break, I said, Hey, what do you do to stay fit? He said, he did his CrossFit. I said, what's that? He told me what it was. I thought he was lying. And I was thinking to myself, this guy's lying. Like no one does a hundred pull-ups in a workout, like, you know, no one puts yeah. 225 pounds over their head. Yeah. So then later on, uh, and he, he owns an affiliate. His name's Travis great guy amazing amazing human being but so then he um so then i went home that and i and i and i looked online or one of my friends looked online and said holy shit that guy wasn't lying 
They really do do that. So that summer, I'd parked my motorhome on my friend's lawn who lived on the beach in Santa Barbara, California. And I lived there. And then I would do workouts in the gym at UC Santa Barbara. And I started doing CrossFit. I would just go to the website and I would see the um, workout of the day and I would do the workout. And I didn't know that you were supposed to do them for time. So we would still do them like bro workouts, me and my yeah. buddy. We would do Fran, you do your 11 thrusters and I do mine. <laughs> then we go to the drinking fountain, look at some girls, just the whole routine, yeah. right? And then we finish and be like, oh, this is cool. At that time, there were no videos on the site or very, very few. Mm -hmm. And the only videos that there were were made by Lauren Glassman, who was Greg Glassman's wife, mm -hmm. and Tony Budding. And um, t Tony was the only person really on the media team. So I sent them an email in 2006 and I said, hey, for, and I made this proposal for $467,000, I'll make this package of videos for you, blah, blah, blah. You guys really need videos. And they said, oh, great. We've been looking for someone. So I flew out to Prescott and I met them and um, they said, hey, we don't have a budget, but we'll send you to a free seminar. So I went to my first L1 seminar and I think this was in January of 2007 and my head exploded. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe like even the simple things they are like, okay, you're going to, in this workout, you're going to run 400 meters as fast as you can. And I was 34 years old at the time. And I'm like, holy shit, I can't even think back to the last time I ran as fast as I could. <laughs> yeah. And um, unless it was like catching a Frisbee or chasing my dog down the block. So um, I, they, they, they didn't give me the 467,000. Instead, I worked for a year for free and I started like producing a video every single day. Mm -hmm. And I basically did that for three years. And to this day, I bet you there's no three people on the game side of the house or on the core content of the house, including Greg Glassman, who's produced even one third the amount of content that I did in the CrossFit Journal. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I did it, I guess, the exact same way you did. And then eventually, you know, after a year, I think they started paying me a couple thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. and, then my, and then my job grew and grew and grew. And then when Tony left, um, I knew that I should be media director. I knew I should be running the whole team. But they, they tried someone else, and then they tried someone else, and then I did it. And with all humility, I tore the shit up and yeah. released all the documentaries and journal sales and L1 sales were the highest they'd ever been since 2014. Mm -hmm. um so yeah it was amazing yeah it was cool, really man. really really amazing and i worked with incredibly talented hardworking people i mean as you know um here in marzen are workhorses crazy i mean they are like i don't think anyone i mean all of us who produce content are workhorses i don't think the world really understands um what it's like to shoot and edit but uh you have to be very if you're going to be good you have to be healthy you have to be fit. You have to be willing to do anything. <laughs> you have to be obsessed and, in a lot of ways. Yeah, obsessed. Yeah, obsessed. And um, and we had a team, of course, at CrossFit Inc. Um, there was Ian Wittenberg is there. I don't know if you mm -hmm. know who that is. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I shared a hotel with him at the games last year. Okay, yeah. Another, like, um, he's, he might be two workhorses. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he might be cheating. He might, it's, Ian might be using uh, PEDs. I mean, yeah. the team is, um, and then on the publishing side of the house, you got Lee for running publishing and social media. You got Matt and Jonathan Haynes. These are like, people don't realize that CrossFit Inc. is a mom and pop organization, even mm -hmm. though it's been bought by investors now. Mm -hmm. the, the infrastructure there is, I mean, I haven't been there in a couple of months, but in our heyday from 2006 to before they, um, they, they hired that CEO that destroyed the company. It was, it was just all super passionate people. 
like right. every single person there was right. like they were just regular people who 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 stepped in and I got the job and started working 24 I mean we worked 24 7 365 right you didn't do Christmas or Thanksgiving or talk about vacations or I mean my wife yeah. had three babies and worked all the days that she had the babies I mean yeah. CrossFit is your life yeah I mean, it rubs so off yes, this, so yes, <laughs> yes, that is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, the, the, but there's things that people do that would drive me crazy. Like mm -hmm. they would send me like, Hey, do you want to, um, can I work for you? And they would send me five videos and they're six minutes each yeah. and they're beautifully shot, but they're just music videos to music that like, mm -hmm. at some point you have to realize that any passionate 12 year old could do what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to set yourself apart. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's why I'm a big fan of, and again, tell me if you think this is a better approach. I'm a big fan of just putting myself where I think that person's going to be, like trying to get in front of them as much as possible. Because I completely can sympathize with the time that's being spent on your end as the person I'm looking up to, to, to do what you're already doing, let alone to add the time in to watch a stranger six minute video four times over. So, you know, my approach to it is like, hey, I know this is me messaging Heber. I know you're going to be at Wadapalooza. I know you just started this vlog. Like if you need someone to hold the camera, I'm going to be there, whatever. Like put yourself in the position to get as close to that person as possible. No resume. Like I didn't, I didn't tell him I'd ever shot a video before he had, did, I had 200 followers on Instagram. Like there was literally no reason, but it was just like, Hey, this guy's going to be here. And I find a lot of the time as busy people, you can often take the most accessible help versus the most qualified help because it's easier to not research for you especially if it's just like hey someone's gonna come hold a camera for me like pretty like mindless stuff it's like it's much easier just to be like okay this guy's gonna be here great instead of like hey let me sit down for four hours and like go through these resumes yeah and, and while you're there um take a big dose of shut the fuck up and help everywhere you can yeah. like everywhere like they yeah. need to bring them waters like yeah make yourself invaluable yes um when i was homeless if you did people's dishes and you never asked them for food and left their house before they woke up man they they, they start to want you to stay there yeah you know what i mean yeah. um I, I i've never done this but like yeah if you really wanted to get in with someone like that mm -hmm. yeah um you're right just go to wadapalooza take a drone there buy a 1500 dollars drone and um start taking drone shots yeah and at the end of the day because th that's really hard, right, for Hebrew mm -hmm. margin to do because they have to stop everything they're doing to put a drone up. Mm -hmm. But if like you, if you sent them five minutes of epic drone shots of Wadapalooza, you, you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not Hebrew margin, but they're gonna, that's gonna catch their eye, yeah. especially if you did it for free. They're gonna be like, oh shit, this, this guy gives a fuck. Yeah, and you're at least, you're at least in their DMs. Then you at least, yes. you're, you'll show up. You know what I mean? And, you're they're, not and you'll get their phone number, and you'll get their email, and. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. there's power to that man and there's power to like not playing the victim in those situations either there's so many people who like when you said you offered crossfit to do the work for x amount of money and they're like hey we'll give you a seminar and you can actually work for free a lot of people would quit at that point a lot of people would be like oh no i'm worth too much but like you have to take a slice of that humble pie and be like if that's something you want it's obviously something you want it for a reason you want it because you feel like it's up there it's something you want to achieve you want to get to you want to work towards so you have to be willing to work, man. And working for free, especially nowadays when in content, everybody can make content. Like you said, any 12-year-old with ambition can make content. Everyone has an iPhone. Pretty much everyone has an internet connection. You know what I mean? It's not hard to learn how to make videos and everyone's doing it. And the content saturation, especially on a platform like YouTube, is insane. There's so many people doing it. So like 
to stand out and you're going to have to do something different. And I think a big part of that is being able to humble yourself to go to someone who's way better than you and learn from them and like do, do as much as you can for them. The bleed off effect is just immense. You just, you just, uh, shed light on something that for me, that's really cool too. When you approach something that you want to grab, you don't want anything between you and it. So let's say so you see a diamond on the ground that's really little. You don't want snow gloves on. You want your hands and you want to pick up the diamond. When you uh, go to the Catholic Church, you want the church to be in direct communion with God. You don't want them sponsored by Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. When, and that was one of the fascinating things about CrossFit Inc. when Greg owned it. There was nothing between Greg and optimized health. He hadn't taken any money. You want it to just be. So if you go to a job and you, and you want to help, let's say, Heber and Marsden, you better not have anything in between that. You better not have like, hey, I want to get paid or hey, I want to get a job. You better have your pure thought with no intention and no filter and nothing disturbing your ability to help them. Now, a lot of people don't realize that. They, they, they do things with um, goals in mind or with intentions. And no, you better just go there and, uh, and do your thing. Don't have any barriers like, like that thing I'm worth more than that. That's, yeah, that's not the time to have that uh, you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to be able to pick up the small diamond with a big old pair of clumsy snow gloves on. Like you want to stay warm too. Sorry. You can't yeah. have both. Yeah. Yeah, man. Get it's a diamond. It's amazing. And, and everyone is trying to do it. Like that is why I think this is such a valuable conversation because the internet is definitely the great equalizer, especially in the content world, but in a lot of other worlds, like there are very few things nowadays that you can't learn for yourself other than maybe a doctor and a lawyer, at least because you need to go to school to get the, the formal degrees. But like, being able to teach yourself anything online and then being able to put yourself near the thousands of people who are doing it and trying to do exactly what we're describing. That's the like alternate career path. Like I didn't go to school for this. Like I, I have no formal training in any of this. It's just by doing and it's by realizing that there are people who do it better and trying to just do it for them as much as possible and have them tell me how much I suck and what I suck at because then I get better at it. A, a, a little, a little off topic, but um, and people, are, this probably isn't going to resonate with people. But you should hear this loud and clear. Right. When I started video editing and I started publishing to um, uh, public access, there was probably no one in the world who was doing what I was doing. There was no one in who, had, the day the computer came out, loaded the DVDs and started editing, started publishing public access. I want to say that I have to be the first person in the entire fucking planet earth to have done that or in a tie with someone else who did it. Yeah. And, um, and I would shoot on eight millimeter, you know, tapes and the Sony, you yeah. know, big old camera I'd get from circuit city for people who remember that. And, um, and plug in with firewire and, it, and we wouldn't have terabyte hard drives. We would have 400 gigabyte hard drives that would be right. as big as a fucking huge, huge, <laughs> yeah. like, like bigger than a shoebox. It was crazy. Yeah. And, um, and I started to know how to use Final Cut Pro like people know how to touch type. Right. And it was, it was so easy to express myself and so mm-hmm. easy to do it fast. And I had the most popular TV show. Like when my public access show would come on in Santa Barbara and Isla Vista, California, the entire town would go silent. There would be no one out. Right. And I got made it on the cover of the California section in the LA Times a couple times. And it, it was we weren't making any money, but, but it was huge. And, um, then final cut pro changed and all my skills went away. 
By that I mean, I, to this day, I couldn't get back to that place. Right. There's something about being young and being able to just focus on learning this software. Mm-hmm. And um, don't take technology for granted. Tomorrow, Instagram could be gone. And like, mm-hmm. can you, I mean, people would probably kill themselves, right? A lot of people. A lot <laughs> of people would be so, so don't take for, you really have to be thankful to the, fact that there are apple computers and that there's Mm -hmm. adobe and that there's Mm -hmm. final cut pro don't like you or at least be aware that you've put your hands and your craft in someone else's hands you're not someone with a pencil and paper who can get it anywhere that Mm -hmm. shit that we're using can go away and don't think it can't because it did yep and it completely derailed me completely derailed me and thankfully i'd been in my career long enough that it's sort of like begun producing and directing more and being more hands-off but Mm -hmm. Um, now that I'm back at Adobe Premiere and I'm editing, you know, for hours every day, it's Mm -hmm. a, um, those skills come back much, much slower, or you'll forget from when you learn when you were 20 versus when you're 40. Totally. So be aware of that. I know that might sound like hogwash or someone, but if that happens to you, hmm. it's like, I, I, maybe it's more relevant like this for people of a younger generation, like your favorite video game no longer can be played on the new, on the new box. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, what? Mm Mm-hmm. But that's just a discomfort. But imagine your your trade tools being taken away. Yeah, man. Well, it's it's the push. It's the push to diversify with content and platforms. Like if you're a content creator, like you can't just live on one platform. Like you have to have an audience that you can take and you can move. Especially you see with the rise of stuff like TikTok. Like TikTok won't be here forever. No chance. It's just like Vine. It's just like all these other. I shouldn't say no chance. Who knows? But it's just like a lot of these other kind of really meteoric rise platforms that probably because they're not really offering much to society other than like the the little dancing videos they're probably not gonna be around forever and the tiktok stars the ones who have blown up to exponential proportions but are staying on tiktok it's like that's a scary world because like you're tasting all this right now but it's one day it will probably fade or you'll age out like or you know you won't be able to adapt your content because you're just doing the little dances with your abs out but you know eventually maybe you won't be able to turn into a comedian which is the only real way for older people on tiktok to succeed so it's like you know if you're not diversifying yourself content wise and you're not splaying out that's why i'm trying to do better with instagram i suck at instagram i'm so youtube to the core and it's like so long core form to the core but you like you have to force yourself to adapt because you just don't know Right, right. So yeah, I I understand. I under I understand that feeling of my YouTube channel has, I think, five hundred subscribers. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I publish every day to it. <clears throat> yeah, I hear you. Uh, I think I think that's the reason, though, to touch back on when you talked about you know the what we have at our disposal nowadays in terms of like technologies and in terms of everyone. Yeah, the Apple computer and all that, like. That's why I don't take excuses from people, man. Like the more I've started to do this and the more, you know, my content has grown, the more messages I'll get of people asking how to start and people asking, yeah, I don't get anywhere near the kind of like, let me work for you kind of thing. I'm not that big, but like, I'll get people asking me, you know, advices for starting. And it's like, I have a hard time giving the advice because the advice I want to give is like, I don't think the coddled advice, a lot of people feel like they want and need, like it's. It's like, okay, you want that? Like, you better work your face off. You better do it every single day. Like, how do I get good at any videos? Make one every day. That's my answer. Every time. How do I get it? Yet? Make one every day. That's every time. You know, how do I, how do I get close to this person? Message him and a hundred other people just like him every single day. Do whatever you can. Work for free. Like, 
it you have to especially now because everyone has that access like it's such a blessing and a curse where it's like there are no excuses you can do and achieve what you want if you put the work in but there's 17 billion other people who are wanting to do the exact same thing right behind you right hold your camera still hold your camera still <laughs> let's talk about the behind the scenes days man because that was yes. like i said that that was what hooked me that was what got me in i didn't know there was content in crossfit until that I didn't understand storytelling until that. I think you along, you know what Casey Neistat is? Yes. Yes. The guy with the glasses. Yeah. He's, you, you guys actually have pretty similar stories, like hearing your start story, but that's something for another conversation. But he was the one who really got me into like the YouTube side of it and vlogging. But your storytelling style, especially with the behind the scenes series, is exactly what blood off and inspired a lot of my content. And I think probably a lot of content creators in the space. What? how did you how did you get that started and how did you develop that style because it was pretty unique like it wasn't it wasn't just highlights like you were having conversations that like some people might if you were to cut that out and just post the five minute conversation you have with an athlete a lot of the time it was like it was literally just a conversation that I feel like you wanted to have you know what I mean as opposed to like directing this big narrative and forcing something on someone talk to me about that World. Yeah. And, and, um, you gotta be careful about that because like the New York times published an article and took out, took one of my podcasts and took everything completely out of context right? and basically fucking destroyed me. What was that? Do you mind explaining that to me? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So I, I had a pie. Had a pie. So I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that. Yeah. Okay. But the New York times is a horrible newspaper. <laughs> I've heard some things. I'm Canadian, yeah, it, so I don't really see it too much. But. Oh, it's bad. It, it perpetuates blaming other people, victim, victim mentality. And, and it's, it's not a, um, it should not be a trusted news source. It should not be a trusted. It's very biased. Um, but um, CrossFit was mom and pop. Mm-hmm. And um, the people who worked there were very real. And what do I mean by real? I mean, they, they got off on telling the truth. They searched for the truth because, and, and, and it was confrontational. They, they enjoyed the confrontation and being provocative, but be, because of whatever psychology they had as kids, you know, and, and, their, and their upbringings, it was pretty obvious. But, um, and then on top of that, um, Greg's dad was, if you ever get a chance to meet the guy, he's got to be one of the smartest human beings alive. It's really fascinating talking to him. And obviously Greg is beyond smart and a, and a magician with words, the largest vocabulary of anyone I've ever met and the ability to use it flow. Like, you know, he's like Tupac and uh, Ernest Hemingway and Albert Einstein mixed as one. I mean, he's a fascinating human being. So, and since there was so little oversight there, right? We all were just like the company's exploding. So I was basically allowed to do whatever I want. I was just, maybe not even my content was good, but I was, there was such a demand for content and I was churning mm-hmm. out so much content. And like we talked about, I was willing to just jump in my car and drive across the country 300 days a year getting content. And so when I did the behind the scenes, um, I basically, at that point, I'd already been interviewing people for years and years and years. The very first thing I ever made was a show called IVTV. It was in 2002 or three, four. I um, 
whenever the Final Cut Pro came out. And basically, I just I gave my friend a microphone and we would walk around town and I would basically come up with a bunch of questions I wanted him to ask and I would hold the camera and we'd walk around this party town at night and ask people questions. Mm-hmm. So f- since the beginning, that's what we did. That's what I did. And then when, when I, I, was, I was obsessed with all the games athletes, I was obsessed with the games, I was obsessed with everything, everything CrossFit. So you're right, you nailed it. It was me going around just asking what I wanted to ask, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, if I felt like a question was too uncomfortable to ask, I knew that I needed to... Well, there, there is one ultimate question in interviewing people. There is that question that all questions should be pointing at. That is not like what journalism does. That's, and you know, someone the other day asked me what that question is and I don't know. I've never asked that question, but they all lead to like these questions. Sorry, let me rework this a little bit. Your questions are arising from somewhere inside of you. So what is your mission in life to get laid, to get money, to have kids, to die? Okay, then all your questions are coming from there. But inside of all of us, there is something that's fueling the whole system. And the only reason why we're not looking at it and looking inside of ourselves to see that and see what's going on inside of us is because it's, it's, it's hard work. And so we look, for, we look to quiet those questions down that are deep inside of us by interacting with the outside world. Mm-hmm. You follow me a little bit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you interact, even if... And I feel that inside of me when I'm asking people, let's say the question is, let's say this ultimate question I'm referring to that I still don't know what it is, but I feel it inside of me is what's the meaning of life? Let's say that's what you want to get to. But there's, let's say that's not something you just ask a games athlete. So there's 15 levels, you know, outside of that where you start asking the questions to sort of take someone to that deeper place. And I Mm -hmm. feel that inside of me. So I would just start, um, and if I felt a question was uncomfortable, that's the question I would go with. Mm-hmm. Or if I felt like, hey, something needs to be made more lighthearted here. Um, this person doesn't want to talk to me. I would start yeah. there. But I would always feel that there was one real question that I wanted to ask everyone that I've never asked. And mm-hmm. I still don't know what it is, but it sort of powers and spawns all of these other questions. It's like if you see a girl in your class that you think is really attractive and you say, hey, hey what's up? Do, um, do you like Mr. So-and-so? How are you doing in this class? What you really want to say to her is, um, well, I won't even say what you really want to say to her, but to skip five levels deeper, you, what you want to say is, is like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? You want to go have a drink and get to know each other and maybe have a relationship that lasts 10 years and then go have kids and then like live happily ever after. And maybe you can help me make some videos. I mean, no one <laughs> says like, right. Exactly. There's baby, yeah. there's baby steps up to that. And so the two things I'll tie together there is from the beginning, I would just walk around this town with this camera And when I say I would walk around this town with this camera for three years, I lived in a motor home or Mm -hmm. five years lived in a motor home, but for a three year section while I lived in this motor home from every second that I left the motor home, I took my camera out with me. Yeah. Like people don't realize that I took my camera everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, now people take that for granted because they, everyone has their iPhone, Mm -hmm. but like I took a big clunky camera and a microphone and everywhere. Like (laughs) if I was just going to the grocery store. Yeah. Oh yeah. I took my big old camera with me. So, and then, um, and then 
and then, yeah. And then, so I did that. You have to carry your camera everywhere. And then you just, I would just ask people questions and then you're right. It's just my own curiosity. It was mm-hmm. the, the behind the scenes was just my own personal curiosity. Like I see, I see the guy massaging Brooke Wells and I say to him, I'm like, Oh, I wonder what his wife thinks about this. So I say, mm-hmm. Hey, so what's your wife think about your job? You know, you, you, you rub Brooke Wells for a living. You got a, you get pushback though sometimes because you are like very direct with what you think and what you say. And I think people, I mean, it goes along with society nowadays, but like if people see something or a phrase or a sentence that they maybe don't agree with, they instantly consume that you're a horrible person and you have malintentions. There's like an art to storytelling and there's an art to, it's a dance a lot of the time, right? And there are some times when maybe people have walls up and the best way to break down that wall is with like a really big hammer, you know, and to, and to open someone up to, to have a conversation or to be able to ask them different questions that aren't just going to garner a one word answer. You have to get inside. Well said. And it looks different for everyone, but I think sometimes people just don't understand what's going on when, when those questions are. So for me personally, I, I based my day in the life series, which kind of was what started my channel and like garnered me my audience very much off how you did the behind the scenes series. It was just me following an athlete along for an entire day with a question and putting out a two hour long video of just like their day. And, you know, it's, it's stylistically similar. And the, the notion of like having to break down those walls and kind of get in inside was, was something that I kind of could see and it's a challenge that that comes up when you're when you're trying to have these raw and real conversations and i i feel like it's something that people just don't don't quite understand what it takes to do that like you can't just walk up to someone who's this invested in what they're doing their life their sport whatever especially at the games like that's the highest level of it they're just so locked in they don't want to talk to you you know what i mean you have to get their attention somehow so i think the the challenges you faced in making that series is immense you know what i mean so I'll tie that to, 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 the, to the New York Times. So the New York Times article um, had some quotes from the podcast I did. And the podcast was very um, blunt. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had uh, Stacey Tovar on there. I think she's a nine-times games athlete. And we started talking about her menstrual cycle and how it affects, like, I, I don't remember what the details, but how it affects her performance. Is it, does it suck when it happens? Does it make you stronger? Does it make you weaker? And they painted that like I was being creepy. Right. And it's so, you can be a complete, you have to be a complete fucking idiot to not know you're projecting that onto me mm-hmm. and that there's nothing creepy about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm she's a fucking professional athlete and she's a woman and she menstruates once a month. And you don't think this is an important conversation to have, yeah. especially with all the other female and every female does it mm-hmm. like, and you want to project on me that there was something creepy about it. Right. I mean, it's, it's, and if you do think it's creepy, realize that it's you who thinks it's creepy. Right. Like I'm not being fucking creepy. It's not yeah. my fucking favorite subject either, but I'm also not offended by it or freaked out by it or yeah. like, like you're the one who's sensitive. Mm-hmm. You're willing you're, to have the conversation. You are the one who's not yet. Yeah, and you're the one by projecting onto me that you think it's creepy, that you're the fucking creep. Mm-hmm. You're the one who thinks that it's not appropriate to talk about this thing about women when mm-hmm. more than half the women, right? I mean, that was one of the biggest comments we got. We got, I didn't receive any um, DM saying or anything saying that it was bad what I did. The New York Mm -hmm. Times was the only one who did that. But I received Mm -hmm. dozens 
I wasn't gonna say hundreds, but it's probably more dozens. Hey, thanks for the conversation. This is the kind of stuff we need to talk about as athletes. Like people mm-hmm. like this needs to be, and Stacy wasn't freaked out about it. And the irony is, is I had her on a podcast recently that wasn't a CrossFit podcast, meet the mm-hmm. parents. Mm-hmm. And one of the first topics she brought up was like, we were talking about getting pregnant Yeah. and, yeah. and, and her menstrual cycle and how it affected her strength and her performance. And it's just, um, those, those people, you think it's inappropriate for me to ask a question, but those people, um, those people will never be great. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no one successful out there who everyone loves them. They fucking, you know what I mean? People hated Bob Marley. People hated Jesus. People hate fucking Oprah. People hate Howard Stern. Ellen now. Um, Ellen yeah. got canceled El- recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, and, and I'm not defending those people, but like you, if you're just going to walk around and ask games athletes what they ate or, you know, like, um, like, like someone, and I, and I know where the New York times got it. Someone sent, uh, there was a Reddit thread mm-hmm. and another shithole of a website, by I'm the way. I'm so scared of Reddit, man. I've literally wanna, never been I, on it. I'm too scared. I want to tell, tell you something about Reddit. Anyone who thinks Reddit is cool. There is so, would you go to, would you take, would you go to Disneyland? If in the, in the far corner, there was a, there was a place where there's glory holes. No, you would never take your kid. Let's say, oh, in this section of Disneyland, we film porn and there's prostitution and sex and drugs. You would never go there. That like Reddit is when people tell me, oh, there's great stuff on Reddit. Like, fuck you. I don't want to sift through 80% of just horribly mean stuff right? in order to find this good stuff. I mean, anyway, I. So then someone said, Hey, do you know where the New York times got this? I'm like, I don't know. Like she, she listened to all my podcasts. They're like, don't be fucking stupid. There's no journalism there. There's a Reddit thread that talk that where yeah. it's people criticizing you. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and it, she would say and the New York times article went on to say something about, about how fixated on bodies, mm-hmm. dude, I, I interview people who 24 hours a day only care about their bodies and the performance of their bodies. Right. And you're projecting onto me that when I say to like, and of course they, I told Stacey Tover, Hey, I think that outfit looks nicer on you than this one. I say the same thing to Josh Bridges mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. The, and the men's athletes Noah Olson. Hey, I think blue look makes your abs look bigger than red. Like who gives a fuck? Yeah. I hear like, you, man. It's so, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's so it's a, I never cared until the fact that I think that that played a big role in, um, in my demise. Right. Yeah. I shouldn't say my demise because I, I know what I, you mean. Like I live, I'm living probably one of the most amazing lives ever, but I think that, I think that that New York times article and that lady, what she did, how she mischaracterized me, how she judged me, um, how she took those things out of context. I think it's things like that, that, that basically caused the fall of CrossFit. I think, I think, you know, to, there's no truth in behind the shit that was being said. Yeah. And to parlay that again, it's the problem with a lot of the reasons why people get so upset nowadays with people like us who make content is because they'll take the one little bit of one big conversation. That's part of a huge conversation and they'll highlight that. And out of context, some of the things that might come out in an hour, two, three hour long podcast sound bad on their own. But it's when we expand on thoughts that like you see the true intention. And like if you see someone who's like intention, like it's very obvious if someone over the course of an hour too long has like this direct agenda and they're being like super crass or whatever, like that's one thing. But if you're asking questions where like if you're intelligent enough to like look around the question, you see exactly what you just described. You're like, oh, you're asking that question. I had a podcast with Allison Scuds like six months ago. And I really like her. 
Yeah, she's awesome. And no joke, we had the exact same conversation for an hour. All we talked about was hormonal birth control. That's it. And it wasn't even, I didn't even know that was what we were going to talk about. She just like, I happened to ask her because Morning Chalk Up did like a quick little thing. You're going to get her. canceled. You're fucked. So here's the thing though, man, is like, I got zero pushback on that, nor did I expect it. And I would say I'm the more cautious than a lot of people because I put out a video every single day and they're shorter videos. We went over this whole thing, right? I try to be cautious. On the podcast, I'm a little less, but it, it, I can't believe that because I literally had that exact same conversation for an hour. Here's the, here's the, here's the thing, right? It, you created a lot more but content if, and I'm sure at some point, once I've created enough content and built enough, people will pick things from years apart and start to formulate these opinions. And there's always going to be detractors. There's always going to be people who just want to see you fall when you're successful. And you know, I'm not here to make a character judgment on anyone. Like I don't, I don't care. Like I, it, it's about understanding story and like understanding like perspective on something and what someone's intentions actually are and an article a clip like those are never going to be able to get that across you know what i mean people are going for headlines that's when we go back to like saturation of content there's so much content out there the only thing that succeeds is drama like drama sells i'm, I'm gonna say one more thing and um it's very very arrogant but there there was nothing like it in sports and there never will be again the behind the scenes series you mean yeah yeah there's no, no sport has ever given access to the people like that none of the nfl stuff none of the nba stuff um and no one's gonna ask those questions i asked and i and, and um because everything is being made to sell you something yeah and that wasn't being made to sell you anything and uh and and i'm a quirky motherfucker so like yeah yeah it was, it's a, it, it's a, it's a unique talent, man, to be able to pull those kind of things out of people. And it's, it's a form of storytelling. We all have different strengths, right? Like I've realized really early on that I'm But maybe, a, sorry to interrupt, sorry, okay. but maybe it won't be missed either. I'm not so arrogant to say it won't be missed, but, but there'll never be anything like that again. That day yeah. is fucking over. And the fact that Greg Glassman and uh, let me publish these, this real shit. That's a good that's a good point. Maybe I'll just jump onto that right now. Do you think the days of like uncensored, let's go comedy because I know in your Instagram bio it says comedian. And comedy is one of the things over the last few years that has just taken a pummeling and everyone's trying to cancel everyone for everything and people don't understand that the purpose of comedy is to make fun. And do you feel like there is like a death has been a death of comedy and do you feel like it will recover because you see people like Bill, Bill Burr, who went on SNL and just like completely just like let it fly and with his Paper Tiger special and you know you see um, yeah, many comedians do that. What do you think about that? Um, you know comedy rappers and fighters they're in an interesting place man. Yeah. They can like they can hit they can hit their wife and their brand goes up right? Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a different breed. I don't know what's, I, I really do think that everything is going to bounce back and go back to place. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who are screaming from their front porch, I'm not a racist and I'm not a pedophile. Mm -hmm. I think that the I think the, everyone who's taken psychology 101 knows why they're doing that. You point one finger out, you have four pointed back at yourself. We know what you're doing. 
Right. You don't, you don't trust your neighbor who's screaming, I'm a pedophile from their front porch and be, or I'm not, sorry, I'm not a pedophile from your front right. porch. You don't ever let your kids go over there again. Right. And like, if you're overly adamant about something like this guy recently, I just saw, um, he was like the founder of the international prevent child abuse and sex trade organization in New York. And he just mm -hmm. got busted for having all this child porn on his computer. Like I, the, the rest of us aren't stupid and maybe right. some of you don't realize even what you're doing or what you're exposing of yourself. But, um, I think everything will bounce back. I think everything will come back around. I think things will settle down. Mm -hmm. I think it's only a matter of time where people, you know, we are clearly, I mean, you cannot listen to CNN or Fox or MSNBC and get any help with COVID. Mm -hmm. It's all blaming. Yep. Fox is all blaming and CNN is all blaming in fear. I mean, it's, it's, um, I've had to leave. I mean, I still force myself to listen to CNN a little bit in the car. So I'm just not all on, on, um, Fox, but I, that used that and NPR used to be my primary news sources. Mm -hmm. I basically had to abandon them because of all, it's just zero accountability, zero, just blame, blame, blame. And so yeah. to go back to the comedy, that's what they're doing too. And I even see the comedians who have been cutting edge in the past or who've been truthful, like Joe Rogan or Dave Chappelle, they're even slipping. Or right. Bill, Bill Maurer, like Bill Maurer, like the very worst thing you could ever say about COVID is we need to cure it by any means necessary. Right. Oh, by any means necessary. That means you're willing to do more damage to people to cure it than just letting COVID play out. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? And so when they say things, they always say, like I just saw a clip where Joe Rogan was saying, hey, we need to teach the world how to boost its immune system, but mm -hmm. masks and social distancing are still helping. Like he, they're still covering their ass, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're wording things wrong. No, no one's immune system needs to be boosted. You need to just stop eating poison so your immune system, your immune system can just do its shit. Right, not be hindered, yep. Right, and so... And I see Dave Chappelle like just taking, I see certain comedians taking things even that too sell too serious themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's a turnoff, like, mm -hmm. like, like they're censoring themselves even. And, um, but that being said, I think it's all going to come back around. Mm -hmm. I think those people doing this and, and, um, I think they will crawl back under the rocks they came from right? or they'll die. Like, and by die, I mean, they'll just get, they'll just get sick. And you know, like, like we know if you drink Coca-Cola for 30 years, there's no mask, there's no ventilator, there's no vaccine that's going to save you. You're toast. Like you have chronic disease. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be fine. I'm hugely, hugely, hugely optimistic. I think things are going to be, uh, but, but they're going to be painful for these people who think that they're on the right side of history. And uh, I think it's going to get rough for them. Yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people. Sorry, are, I know that was a little, no, no, that's a little off topic. No, it's good, dude. I just, that's all I do here. I don't have topics here. I just talk. Um, I think a lot of people are, yeah, just cautiously trying to be good people online. I think a lot of the time, it's very easy to judge somebody. We just talked about with the New York Times thing. It's very easy to label someone as not a good person online based off like one, two, three, four things that they have said. How about take responsibility for how powerful your platform is? Yeah, right. How about take like, I mean, 
It's nuts. It, it, dude, it's crazy. It's nuts how irresponsible people are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are doing so just from this fueled point of like, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to look like a good person on the outside, but you know, it's a different conversation. Like, well, just be a good person and and don't worry so much about what other people say and think like, cause you know, the people around, you know, and if you're actually a horrible person, like it will come out and it will be a much bigger scale than just like a social media threat. Do you feel though because we talk about it coming back and you know the the revitalization of comedy as as an example of being able to do things but as someone who like you've kind of described could be canceled is creates content that might be a little more cancelable than some people are you having to censor yourself right now as you venture into this world of content creation will you and do you think that it will come back to a point where you're not as maybe polarizing to some people um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, my following isn't big enough to, no, no. So they only cancel people who they can make a name on canceling. Yes. I'm totally so, just so, saying that as like a right, banner, not actually right. to be, but just like. Right. No. So the only thing I, it's funny you said, the only thing I censor is I don't think I have a very, very unique relationship with my kids mm-hmm. and, um, I don't let people see um, just, I don't let people see all of it. I know people think, and obviously people think that they're seeing all of it, but I have a very unique relationship with my wife and my mom and my kids. And it's so fucking special. Mm-hmm. And my dad and my sister, and they know how um, I'm extremely authentic with my kids. I don't play adult. I don't play, I don't, I, I'm still their parent. Mm-hmm. I'm still their parent. They're not my friends. I'm going to be very clear about that. <laughs> I am their parent. I have, um, I only have one intention to make them virtuous, loving, great mates and contributors to civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, better than me. But I, but there's stuff I just don't show. Cause I just don't, I, it's so unique to my relationship with them and I don't want any feedback on it. Like, it's, it's the way I talk to them, the way, I mean, I give people glimpses, right? I give people like, uh, yesterday I might, uh, a lot of people really like this. Avi comes running into the kitchen. He thought I, he thought he heard me say there were cookies and he comes in the kitchen and he says, Hey, um, he goes, are there cookies? And I go, how old are you? He goes six. I go, yeah, they'll be ready when you're, tw- when you're 12 or something story, like that. Actually. Yeah. Like get out of here. And I'm just very, um, that's like a taste of just how we, how we roll in this house. It's just very, um, there's a lot of, a lot of rules and a lot of boundaries, but within those guidelines, it gives us a lot of, like we can kick the ball really hard in the house because we know which room is safe to kick it in. Right. And so, and so, yeah, yeah, that's the only thing I censor. But other than that, I'm not big enough to censor anything else. Like mm-hmm. I, d- I did get censored the other day on Instagram. It was funny. I was typing in something like, hey, you should just cut out the refined carbohydrates and sugar and you'll be fine from COVID. And as I posted it, Instagram said, um, this looks like a post that's been um, already reported several times. Oh. And, so, and so I just added like four S's to COVID, like the COVIDs, and it still yeah. wouldn't let me. And I tried jumbling up some words and it still wouldn't let me. I'm like, holy shit. Oh. It really is true. There's some fucking bot out there. Yep. And it's, it's mind boggling. to. And I don't believe any of the stuff like the government keeps control or that's how they keep control or that's how they want to make money or I don't believe any of that. 
not in the sense that like it's a sentient being or it's Mm -hmm. a thought or there's like something illuminati i think it's just people here and like i think the people who are making that think that it's right because it's Mm -hmm. dangerous not to wear masks and so they i get it yep i hear i mean it's it's uh we give ourselves way too much credit i think we're pretty stupid (laughs) yeah I totally hear that. man. Yeah, it's interesting you say the thing about your kids and your family, because I think a lot of what people don't understand about content creation, too, especially like the content creation that you and I are into now, which is a bit more personally worlded. We show a lot, but we also show very, 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 very little. You know, like if if I'm putting out a 10 to 12 minute video a day, that's 10 to 12 minutes of my 24 hour day that you're seeing. I know it seems like a lot because I film in the morning, I film in the afternoon, and I film in the evening and you feel like you have this complete story of my day, but it's very small to what the day actually is. And you know, what you choose to show of your kids is exactly that you're choosing what you're showing. You're hitting record, you're editing, you're hitting publish. And it's, you know, it, that control over the content is like, it, it allows us to not, put out things that are personal to us and to to set those boundaries i guess as to like what you know what we want out in the world and then what we don't want out in the world do you find it weird though having like are you gonna do like a family channel like ace family style like is that like the ultimate play like or do you is there is there boundaries that you want to set with like your content uh i have no idea (laughs) Yeah, but I've but I've kind of two things to say around that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm doing this parenting stuff, and then people want to ask you questions, and they want to sort of project onto you that you're some sort of parenting expert. Mm-hmm. And but th- the funny part is, is or the interesting part is, is do you, do I want to take on that role? Because that's really not who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not a parenting expert. Mm-hmm. I, I'm um, a guy who took a CrossFit L1 and became obsessed with it and started applying it to every aspect of my life and i hung out with greg glassman almost every single day for 15 years and i lived with him for three years and so i have a really and uh deep understanding of it maybe deep's not the right word i'm giving myself too much credit um i've had a constant dose of it <laughs> right no yep. yeah and so it just it, it, and it works and so you see me applying it to my kids and so that's working um, and people would say, Oh, I just thought it was a fitness thing. No, it's nutrition. It's basically everything. You know, the, mm-hmm. the thing I use the most often is, um, struggle leads to adaptation. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the end game is. Am I going to embrace this? Am I going to write a book? Am I going to, but I will keep sharing because my ultimate goal right now, I like to have like little tiny, like really macro goals. My goal is, is just it's a place where people can come and get inspired and learn. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to what you were saying about not showing stuff. Yeah. So like I had a friend over at the house and they said, Holy shit, your kids cry way more than I thought they would. And then I had another friend come over and be like, Hey, one of your kids is crying every eight minutes. And it's like, you would never know that. From yeah, that's, Instagram, hilarious. Right? that's a good point, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Um, these little angels that never cry. It's like no. th- there was a video out and it was a young kid, um, uh, wearing, a, uh, I think it was, a uh, one of those Donald Trump red hats mm-hmm. and, hats. And he was in um, at the waiting for his bus with the rest of his classmates at the bottom of the Lincoln Memorial. Did you ever see that? No. Okay. And a gentleman comes in front of him. I believe it was a Native American gentleman. And in the video, the way it was depicted when I first saw it on on the news on CNN was that the the kid was um, standing in front of the Native American guy, 
And basically the way they depicted it is that this kid was harassing this Native American guy. Right. So I, I, and I was like, man, what a dick. If my kids did that, I would be so disappointed in them. And that's a shame. And, you know, you should respect your elders and blah, blah, blah. That was my, like, when I saw it. Then a week later, I saw, I saw the whole entire clip. And the kid was standing there minding his own business. And this guy comes over and gets in his face and is chanting in his face, like lip to mm -hmm. lip. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I'm thinking, holy shit, if that was my kid and this, and this guy did that, I would want someone to yank the guy away. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it completely flipped the script. It went me from being disappointed in the boy to almost proud of the boy that he, he, he stayed so calm. Right. While this strange man who's 50 years his senior is in his face yelling or chanting or whatever he was doing. And so, yeah, how you, how you present stuff to the world is like, I mean, your opinion can change in a second. And, what, and the sad part is, is that people see it one way and then the news passes by and they never get the truth. Yep. And they go on like they go on th and they keep thinking that. Yeah, well, things are things are formulated opinions are formulated of people based off yeah very small minute clips interactions whatever again it's like you know i think the idea of being able to have a conversation with someone who you maybe disagree with on certain points that's just like that's not a thing right now like so many you know what i mean like there are certain things i'm sure you and i disagree with on lots of levels but here we are having this great conversation about a shared interest in content creation and people can look at it and be like oh like Savon, how can you talk to him? He believes this, da, 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 da. And you're like, well, I didn't even know he believed that. Like, that's not why I wanted to have a conversation with him and vice versa. Like, people don't understand that, like, the way to solve things is to a lot of the time converse with people who have differing beliefs and opinions than you potentially. And if you see something that maybe you don't agree with, don't just attack it on its initial, like, Instagram pick merit. Send them a message. You're like, hey, would you mind expanding your thoughts on this to me? And then maybe you can teach them something or maybe you can learn something. And there's always going to be a balancing act between the two things. But it's like people just are like so quick to jump and judge and whatever. Um, you nailed it. You have to talk to people you disagree with. Yeah. And if they start calling you names, then whatever. But one, one of the things I get most, most often I'd say every couple of weeks is when I talk about people eating healthy, people bring up the fact, Oh, there's food drought places. There's food droughts. Have you heard that term food drought? I don't think so. It's there are areas of the country and the world where you can't get good food. Right. And they say, Hey, there's people in poverty who can't get good food. And so I explained to them, I've been to 49 States. Mm -hmm. I've filmed in a hundred countries. I filmed on all seven continents. I filmed in 40 of the poorest places on the world in wow. India, China, um, Central America, South America, um, Africa, I've spent months in Africa where I literally have to put my camera down and run out to a field and look up and say, why God? Mm -hmm. And I don't even believe in God. Right. And, um, that's, I spent years doing that. And in all my life, there's people who have no food, Mm -hmm. But I've never seen a food drought. And by a food drought, I mean anyone can find food who's eating food almost 99.99% that doesn't have sugar and refined carbohydrates in it. Mm. Yes, you might not be able to afford or get organic carrots, but anyone can go to a dumpster and cure themselves of type 2 diabetes. And how do I know that? Because I did a podcast with a doctor, sorry, a nurse mm -hmm. in, New, in upstate New York 
who had a client who had type two diabetes, who had their toe chopped off because they had type two diabetes and it was a homeless guy. Mm -hmm. And she said, what are you eating? He goes, I exclusively eat out of this dumpster at a Chinese food restaurant. And she Mm -hmm. said, okay, start only picking out the meat and broccoli. And his A1C levels, his sugar levels dropped and he cured himself of the diabetes even after having his toe chopped off. Right. So, and, and, and this person's like, holy shit, thank you for sharing all that. And you know, that took me fucking 10 minutes to type out on fucking Instagram as a response. Yep. But like, if they wouldn't have contacted me and I wouldn't have taken the time to answer that, they wouldn't realize that, holy shit, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. And like your idea of a fruit drought is just an excuse that you're giving people to play the victim role. And like, don't do that. Empower people. Yeah, Let them know they need to switch dumpsters. It's better than getting your fucking toe chopped off than to sit around saying, I live in a food drought. Yeah, dude. And here's the thing. Sorry. No, dude, it's great. (laughs) It's great. And I think it touches to a big point of the conversation is like, you know, when you're creating content, like we're saying, and there's people who are detracting and saying these like things based off one thing you said, it's like, well, you, they don't understand that you talk about times when you ate from a dumpster. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, you're being insensitive by talking about people who eat from a dumpster. So kind of derogatory, like point pointedly, but they don't realize because they're just going off of this one clip, this one picture, this one thing that you actually ate from a dumpster and you realize I lived it. Yeah. You didn't live it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I lived it. You didn't live it. I lived it. Right. And now you, people don't realize there's this, there's this Taoist saying, argue your limitations in their years. And one of the worst things you can do for someone is help them argue their limitations. And right. half our society now is arguing its limitations, yeah. not only for themselves, but for the other half. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's, there's no win there. Mm-hmm. There's no win there. You yeah. cannot, you cannot argue your limitations. You have to try, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You, you have to try. Mm-hmm. I hear you, man. We're talking about food. Do you want to talk about talk- food for a little bit? I love talking about food. Food's my favorite. Sure, sure. You're a carnivore. Or kind you of. do the carnivore diet. I'm feeling so. Yes. For eight, for, so for 30, I, I see my body as sort of just a tool to experiment with. And I want to experiment with like things that won't kill me, mm-hmm. you know? things that'll try to make me healthier and basically a better parent. And mm-hmm. so I've embarked on the carnivore. I've been fasting one day a week for 36 hours mm-hmm. um, for the last 31 weeks. And about eight weeks ago, I, I started the carnivore diet. Kind of. I mean, I eat meat, hard cheeses. Um, I've had a couple, I've had like yesterday I had a persimmon that was like going way out on a limb for me. Um, I had a lot of turkey slices. Um, and I've been taking these as I study more and more. I guess you need to eat organ meat. Yeah, to get and I haven't got, and stuff. So I've been taking these um, ancestral supplements, which are I think like just dehydrated organ mm-hmm. meat. Mm-hmm. Big Paul Saladino uh, guy, right? Yeah. Well, I, I I spent you know by big I spent two hours one day digging around on his site and listening to yep. podcast stuff and experientially like I've had shoulder and back pain for ten years and mm-hmm. I cannot believe as soon as I got on the carnivore diet. Well, I shouldn't say soon as about a week. I think as soon as I went into ketosis, mm-hmm. my whole body like shrunk. Right. It was trippy. I lost, I only lost five pounds. I went from like probably 165 to 160, mm-hmm. but I feel like I, I lost 20 pounds. So trippy. And all my shoulder pain went away and I get it. It's inflammation. It's no, yeah. no sugar and no refined carbohydrates. Yeah, it's fascinating because Joe Rogan did the similar thing 30 days on the carnivore. And that was the exact thing he said was like, pains just went away. 
Like my body looks nothing like his. He's yoked. <laughs> Dude, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting concept. Do you think these extreme elim- elimination diets are like do you think they're they're for masses or do you think they're for people to find out how to eat best for them? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To both of those. Yeah. I find it fascinating that people I, I can remember going to a doctor and had, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, whenever. And I don't remember why I went there. And I said to the doctor, Hey, is there anything I can change in my diet that would help this? And he looked at me like I was a fucking idiot. Right. So I get where most people are at. Mm-hmm. But now, unfortunately where I'm at, it's like, it's so obvious you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. No, that's not just a phrase. No, it's not just, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, and Because of the, especially the last year I worked at CrossFit, I hung out with hundreds and hundreds of doctors and scientists and leading authors and like real scientists, yeah. like people who yeah. do not, not consensus science that, mm-hmm. the, that 90%- epidemiology. Is that what that is? When they take just like the surveys and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Not, none of that. Okay. I'm talking about observable, repeatable, measurable, the scientific method, the stuff you learn like yeah, in yeah, high yeah. school. Yep. I'm not talking about like consensus science that consensus science is what COVID is. Um, it's what global warming is. It's what witch hunts it were. Um, unfortunately, and I, I'm not saying that to offend anyone. I'm not saying that there's not global warming, but you should like, that's not science that they're doing around a lot of that stuff. Right. And you can even look up Richard Smith. He was the um, head of, I think, the British Journal of Medicine for 30 years, the CEO. And he says like 90% of the stuff that's in medical journals is bullshit. Academic science doesn't have to work because it's not flying airplanes. Industrial science has to work because if that Delta jet crashes, they're, they're out of business. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and government science is um, academic science and, and it's consensus science. And there, there's actually a Supreme Court case that kind of fucked everything up because they said someone's an expert if they're published they went to school and their peers believe them and it's like hey jesus christ saw that yeah that cannot be if i'm the only person in the room who says two plus two is four and everyone else says it's five they cannot be right because there's a consensus Mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's really 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 where we're at and the people once again who are screaming the loudest why aren't we following the science guess who's not following the science yeah right them right so um I don't know if the carnivore diet is great. I haven't looked into it as much as I should. Like people tell me, why are you taking those ancestral supplements? I'm like, oh, because I saw it on an Instagram clip. (laughs) But I will tell you this. The second I started taking them, I felt significantly better. Something was wrong in the first six weeks. My workouts took a complete shitter. And I became super sluggish. But the two positive things I noticed is I needed much less sleep Mm -hmm. and all my pain went away. So that's like enormous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so uh, now I've started taking those pills and I can work out really hard again. You know, mm-hmm. I can do 30 minutes of just pushing. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep going with it for a while. I do believe that all of the stuff that people complain about, about meat in regards to your health, not, not the, um, the moral stuff. The moral stuff mm-hmm. I think is pretty valid, like just killing animals for your own survival. Mm-hmm. But um, the, I don't think that any of those things occur if you don't eat sugar. I do believe that the damage, I, I do believe you need high, you need lots of cholesterol to be immune to COVID. I do believe, but, but if you mix these, these sh- amazing diets with sugar, then I think you can get problems. Right. 
Okay. And I can, you, and I can sort of explain that. that um, I wish I could remember the exact name of it. But basically, basically we're, let, let's say we're just all made of Legos, right? Everything is Legos from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. It's just all the different sizes of Legos. So you have these, you have these arteries, right? And they're being fed from the outside by really small, God damn it. I wish I could remember what it's called, but these basically these really small lines where cells can only go down one or two at a time. And they have to feed the arterial wall. Everything's made of blood. Everything's made of cells. It's just these cells. Everything's made of cells. The arterial, the arteries aren't being fed from the inside. They're being fed from the outside. Mm -hmm. When you eat sugar, your cells lose motility. Mm -hmm. And since these little lines that go and feed the arterial wall are only big enough for one or two cells to go down at a time, when they lose motility, the cells can't go down them. Mm -hmm. And the arterial wall dies because it's not being fed because that line no longer is clogged. When that, when, that, when that wall is damaged, this is, by the way, my third grade understanding of it, you then, you, you. you then start clotting from the inside. Right. So people then blame high cholesterol on the reason why the person died. It's like blaming the cast for why you have a broken arm. When the damage happened from the outside while you were eating sugar. Yeah. And so I just believe that if you don't eat sugar, like – 99% of your problems go away. Yeah. The rest of the system can function and metabolize whatever meat, whatever, whatever you're eating. Yeah. And that's, dude, that's been one of the most fascinating things in the last 20 plus years or whatever to see is just when it's came out about those Harvard studies against, you know, big sugar funding to put heart disease and fat as a culprit of heart disease or whatever. And like all that stuff, like you don't need to go in too much into the weeds with that. People can look it up if they want, but it's just, it's fascinating how people's mindset has shift. Cause if you tell someone you're doing the carnivore diet, guaranteed the first thing they're going to say is, well, what about your cholesterol? How's your right. cholesterol? Like you're going right. to have a heart attack and die. Right. Which is and, crazy. And st yeah. And stat. Yeah. And if you look at the statin studies, which, um, uh, CrossFit was really, really looking at very closely for, um, the last year, Greg Glassman owned the company. It's really, really, really scary what they did. Mm -hmm. I just give people the, the information they gave was relative statistics. And I'll just really quickly, I'll explain what that is. To anyone who's mm -hmm. listening, these in statins, I think are the largest selling drug in the United States. Mm -hmm. So they would take a hundred people on one side and they would give them statins and they would take a hundred people on the other side and not give them statins. And the people who didn't take statins, three of them would die. And the people who did take statins, one of them would die. And then they would report in these commercials into the world that you have a 300% better chance of living <laughs> If you took statins, wow, and it's like that's so it's it's called a relative statistics or something I don't remember, but it's and then I just saw study after study after study like that, and I'm like, holy shit, people are just being so manipulated. And what's crazy is is that the, it's not the doctors. Doc, I mean, I don't mean this to be rude. We need doctors. Like mm -hmm. if you break your arm or fucking go through a windshield, you need a doctor. Mm -hmm. But the doctors are just basically they're tools of the pharmaceutical company. They're not, they're not scientists. Doctors aren't scientists. They're not biologists. They're well, like, and, and they're just the, being used. Yeah. And it's the classic argument. Like I remember when I, when I first started getting across it and I was watching all the journal content and taking my L1 and all that kind of stuff, it was just the analogy that stuck with me was the lifeguard thing with, with uh, doctors and how doctors are reactive, not preventative. And like, right. you know, I had a friend whose parent recently was diagnosed um, with like an, uh, an illness, chronic disease, whatever. And their message to their kid was like, hey, like you should probably, you know, make sure you're going to your checkups and keep your checkups on top of things to make sure you you don't get this. And I'm like, 
what's your doctor going to do? What's going to your doctor every six months going to do to help you stop chronic disease? Like they're just going to check you to see if you have it yet. But it's just like, they're just waiting for you to get it till they throw the throw the life vest on you. So like, you know, it's a it's a funny world where, you know, a lot of the people who a lot of people think have the utmost understanding of how to be healthy. It's mainly just how to save you. And like you said, it's so important to society, but it's to save you. It's not to prevent you in a lot of ways. And it's not all. I mean, obviously, a lot of the doctors who know what CrossFit is are, are doing a much better job of, of helping with the preventative side of things. But do you think, do you think, you know, going on the carnivore diet, I know the sugar and, you know, carbohydrates in general, refined carbohydrates, that is something I think most educated people on nutrition understand that that is the bad stuff that plus like, you know, like vegetable oil like those are what percentage what percentage of people do you think know that because like i went into safeway the other day and i never go into safeway Mm -hmm. since covid came i just don't go i only go to mom and pop stores but i had had to go to safeway i wanted to buy like 10 cases of sparkling water yeah yeah yeah. and i i couldn't believe what i saw dude it's it's non-existent the amount of people that know don't that don't okay no that no what am i trying to say the amount of the vast majority of people have no idea what an omega-6 versus an omega-3 is. And but how do they know that sugar is bad? Okay, they don't really know. They don't read the labels. That's the thing I'll say. A lot of people think that the candy is bad, but they think they're like, oh, I won't have the candy, but I'll put like 17 globs of barbecue sauce on you know, my dinner every single night. And they don't realize, they don't look at the labels and realize that sugar is in there. That's, there were say. 200 people, let's say, in the Safeway. I didn't see a single person who could run 400 meters. I said this to my I girlfriend. Was, I was just like, I, I can't even fucking believe this is. I know. These are, they're even humans. Like, I'm just like, wow, do, does someone not, do they not know what they're eating is doing this to them? Well, that's, that's, that's the thing, man, is we come from this world where, you know, I look at myself and I think I'm relatively unfit because I'm comparing myself to the games athletes that I hang right, out with. Right, me too. Yep. But I said this to my girlfriend the other day and it was in, believe it or not, it was actually in a grocery store. I swear I'm not making this up. I was like, I can't remember the last time I walked into a room and I haven't felt like I could outrun, outlift, or out anything, anyone in this building, like by a long shot. Like rarely does it happen when I walk into a room and I don't think I'm by and large the fittest person. Maybe it's because I'm a 25-year-old testosterone-filled. That's true too. That's true. 25 though is a good year. That's a good year. (laughs) It's fun. Um, But it's, you know, it's this, I've had to do it with my girlfriend's parents and even with my parents is like, just this like whoa wait you don't realize that that dressing is you know like it says green goddess on it but the first ingredient is vegetable oil and the second (laughs) ingredient is sugar it's like what the heck is going on do you think and mixing those two is so bad (laughs) i mean they're bad on their own but mixing them i know man crazy stuff that happens to you i know i know do you think cutting those out is enough though because personally i eat a lot of carbohydrates i also train three to four hours a day but I, I eat a lot of carbohydrates, rice. I eat a lot, mainly rice. That's probably my biggest like source of carbohydrates. Do you think there are the problems that we're trying to solve by cutting out sugar and highly refined carbohydrates? Do you think they're solved by doing just that? Or do you think people need to take a step further to like a carnivore paleo S diet? I have no idea. I can only speak for myself. I can speak that the, the, the most profound thing about being on the carnivore diet is I, I, one, I don't think people realize they are a slave to food. They're yeah. fl- but not to their to. They're slave to food because of the discomfort 
that they feel inside of them that they can't push off that's alleviated by eating, whatever that discomfort is. Noisy brain, growling stomach, whatever bullshit they want to make up. So then you alleviate that discomfort by eating food. Now that I'm on the carnivore diet, I, and, and I don't know for sure if I'm in ketosis because I'd never checked it, but I, I'm guessing something has definitely different about me. I have to tell myself to eat. And this has been so freeing and so liberating and it's just changed. It's changed my, it's changed everything Yeah. <laughs> to not, because I thought, it, and, I'm, and I fancy myself as a pretty self-aware guy, but I, I didn't even realize how, um, I didn't realize how, how much freer you f- I feel. It's crazy. And so Justin, if you, I, I would recommend that everyone try it going into ketosis. And I also recommend that you don't wait till you're 48 to do it. Right. Cause I wish I would have done it 20 years ago. It would have given, I could have made twice as many videos instead of, instead of making trips to the cabinet to eat macadamia nuts. Do you, do you think, would you ever try vegan? I, I was, I've been vegan. You have? There was actually, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I did vegan before. There was one summer when I was homeless that I only ate things that I picked off of trees. It's the nice part about living in California, I guess. Yeah, I was in uh, Santa Barbara, California. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Because the reason I ask is because, you know, a lot of people, and believe me, I'm with you on the meat thing. I love meat. I think meat's great. I think there's a lot of amazing things animal protein does for you. But I am also not a detractor against people who say that they have completely changed their lives and feel amazing on a vegan diet. If you're doing it right, just like anything, if you're, even if people are doing the carnivore diet, they should be aware that they're eliminating a lot of things from their diet that they should just, you know, get your blood work done, make sure that you're not, everyone should do that anyways, regardless of how you're eating, but just to actually understand what's going on inside of you. But I don't detract from people who say and have been able to do that with whatever diet it is, but vegan specifically, do you, do you initially go against vegan just because it is a higher carbohydrate based diet or? No, no, no. I don't have any, the only, um, the only issue, I don't have any issue with being vegan. The the only thing is this. um, So, so the, the, the third grader in me doesn't like eating meat because I don't like seeing anything die. Right. I hate that. The other day, my wife told me there was a snake in our driveway that was run over and I, I just felt it like hurt me. I right. love seeing snakes in on my property and lizards. And I like, I, I'm the guy who catches bugs and puts them outside. Mm-hmm. And we have crickets come in the house every night at this time of year. So it's like all in their fucking pain in the ass to catch. But, yeah. um, so that I struggle with the plant thing I struggle with is, um, and, and that's the thing. If you dig quickly into Paul Saladino's thing, he'll start just telling you fucking oh, like yeah. plants are warriors and they're fucking there to tell you to fuck off. Don't yeah, eat the me. toxins. And everything. <laughs> yeah, totally dude. And, um, they and can't run away. So they just produce toxins. I am not an expert on him, but I think a lot of his focus is on mitochondrial health. Right. And that was something that Greg was really fixated on too. And so, because I was in that, circle i'm i believe that mitochondrial health is really 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 important i think it's what prevents cancer and i think it's what makes you a fully energized person to have good mitochondrial health so 
that's where I am on the subject, but I'm no expert. Like if I hear someone like Paul, who's convincing to me just even for a few minutes, mm-hmm. I'll start gleaning that way. I'm easily, yeah. um, I'm easily manipulated that way. And I'm easily, but like, but I'm not easily, like I do, I do, um, I do have enough knowledge to know that sugar is like a toxin mm-hmm. and that giving your kids sugar is like abuse. You might as well just punch them in the stomach. Like it is, it is not, it's not okay. It's, it's, um, it's way worse than what people are giving it credit for. Totally. And not only that, but the long-term, um, like you would never give your kid heroin. Let's say heroin was even good for you. You still wouldn't give your kid heroin because you don't want your kid addicted to that. Like right. it's crazy. Yep. It is you and, and people who have kids should be lucky enough to know the reason why you give your kid ice cream once is because you're a dumb fuck. The reason why you give it to him, and, and I've done that, I've been in a, a dumb fuck, but the reason why you give it to him a second time is because you're afraid they're going to have a temper tantrum. Right. When you say no, right. Because it's so powerful. Yeah. That pleasure center. Bing, 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 yeah. So bing, bing. I, I, one of my, my kids skated a hundred straight days and I surprised him by letting him get some ice cream. What did he want right after he got the ice cream? I, uh, more, more ice cream. Ice cream? Yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I was what trying to think, I was like, well, what and, do you want? And the, and, the, and the very next day he said, Hey, can I get ice cream? And I said, right. no. And I could see him. He didn't throw a tantrum because he knows I'm pretty strict, but I could see like, yeah. Okay. I'll hold up a bank and get my own ice cream. Then. I mean, you know what I mean? I saw that in his <laughs> eyes. Like I'll find my own way to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Not a joke, man. Sugar is like, stop laughing, Nate. Yeah. I'm oh wait, did I call you Nate? You're Nathan. No, it's Nate. Everyone, well, Nate, I mean, okay. theoretically, e- it's Nathan, but everyone calls me Nate. And okay, my Instagram so, and stuff is Nate. Okay, yeah. And, but your email is Nathan. Yeah. I like to confuse people, man. I like to keep people right. on their toes. See who's paying attention. You know, it's a great way to do it. Do you, I mean, I think the conversation with diet a lot of the time is met with the extremes. Like you talked about the animal side of it, which I completely sympathize with. You know, for me, that's the reason why I don't go out to eat as much and instead put that money towards buying meat from a pasture that I know where the farm was and all just because I know the animals were raised better and I'm it, it fits my ethical values I guess a bit more to to not support factory farming same thing with vegetables you know try to buy vegetables that didn't d- desolate a whole community worth of field to, to plant soybeans it's the same thing do you think though that you know people need to experiment with the opposite side like do you think it's important to like round out your if you're trying to understand nutrition which i think everyone should because it's the basis of how we live do you think it's important to to try the thing that maybe obviously not sugar but the thing that maybe isn't your first instinct so if your first instinct is meat carnivore should you try vegan just to understand yes the balance yes of yeah people should try everything they should try everything except stupid shit but yes you should try everything if you are 50 years old and you haven't been vegan for six months you fucked up like what are you right. doing on the planet right and if you are 50 years old and you haven't tried carnivore then then you should try it mm-hmm. um i don't know why i'm choosing 50 but like yeah these people who are like hyper opinionated one way or another like yeah. Like, okay, that's fine. I, but, but every, your body is your laboratory. Yeah. Like everyone should do for a year, 20 pushups before they go to bed and see how it affects them. Like mm-hmm. if you're not playing with your body like that, you're really missing out on a huge part of life. Mm-hmm. But it is really cool to be free from, um, you know, be, it's like what happens to you when you go into puberty, your whole world changes. Cause then right. all of a sudden all you're doing is chasing girls right. and then you reach a certain age and it never goes away. But, um, 
<laughs> but food you can, but food you can, um, this carnivore diet that's going into ketosis is just kind mm -hmm. of a miracle. For people who don't know, basically there's two fuels your body can burn, um, pro, uh, carbohydrates or fat. And um, most people burn carbohydrates. And so when you burn fat, that's when you're in what's called ketosis and it's a different fuel. And since you have so much of that fuel, I'm guessing that's why I'm never hungry because we carry around so much fat as opposed to when you burn carbohydrates, you only carry a little bit of sugar in your bloodstream. And as soon as it's gone, your, body, your brain sends a signal, hey, this is uncomfortable, feed me. Mm -hmm. The, and then the, obviously the problem then is, is then a lot of people eat stuff that actually isn't, doesn't turn into usable carbohydrates yeah, and turn totally. straight to fat. Yep. Absolutely, dude. You uh, crave it. Do you think, so, do you think there's health concerns for people like me who are trying to get as fit as they can and who eat a carbohydrate diet, a carbohydrate majority diet, like, you know, 500 plus grams a day, if they're doing it from whole sources or do you, or, you know, even dovetail, Matt Fraser drinks Gatorade. Do you think that's a problem when you're training this much? I shouldn't say he drinks Gatorade. I feel like I've seen him with a Gatorade bottle once or twice. You're, I'm way out of my comfort zone. So I don't know. Like my opinions yeah. here really no, no. should not be like, like my opinion should not be taken. Like it's like someone who you see wearing a mask um, at, at, at a Starbucks, but they're drinking a Frappuccino. You shouldn't yeah. take them seriously <laughs> at all. Like right. they're, I'm a, you should take me about that seriously when it comes to <laughs> elite athleticism. Um, but, uh, God, Matt, I, can we use someone else as an example? Matt's such a freak in nature. I feel like yeah, I can't I even totally, talk about him. <laughs> me. So, yeah. No, it, you should not be drinking Gatorade under any circumstance. Okay. Absolutely Why? fucking not. I just don't think that it's worth that whatever you're trying to get out of life. Um, I mean, unless you really just love that taste and you want mm -hmm. to drink it once a year, like mm -hmm. to like as a crazy treat for yourself, mm -hmm. and you're 25 and you're resilient, then, but I just don't think it's worth the trade off for any, any, any performance enhancement or thirst quenching or anything it can give you. Right. The, the, and I think that people at that level or people who are really like have these incredible bodies and these incredible physiques and they don't look hypertensive, you know, which ones I'm talking about? Like mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the red people. Mm -hmm. I think whatever they're doing probably on the most part is probably fine. Mm -hmm. um, the, especially in the CrossFit community because we're so well-rounded. But mm -hmm. these people who are eating goo sticks and staying on bikes and setting world-class fucking marathon and fucking biking times, I think that's like, once again, I think the only people who should be doing that are the people at the very, very top. I think if you're right. just a fucking guy who likes to ride 100 miles a week and you're a pretty hardcore biker, but you're eating what professional biking athletes are eating – might not be such a good idea. Yeah. No, I hear that, man. That's a good point. I think, you know, and again, I'm not trying to, like you said, I'm not trying to paint you or I as any kind of nutrition network. So yeah. definitely not. We're just two guys having a conversation here from experience, but I think it's fascinating because where, like, where does, you mentioned enjoyment. You said, if you enjoy Gatorade once a year, where does enjoyment fall into the importance of shaping your, your daily routine? So is it important if you enjoy alcohol to let yourself have a glass of wine, even though you know that it's not really helping you in any way? In your opinion. 
if you've never been drunk in your life, you are fucking missing out because it is a really, really, really fun thing to do. It is awesome, especially if you have trouble letting go. Right. But if you are like, um, want to go for a walk on the beach with your wife and fill a cooler full of 12 kombuchas and ice and it's just the two of you and um, it's going to be a six mile walk and you want to just get fucked up and loose with your girlfriend, dude, it's fuck. There's few things better in life. That being said, I just told my sister last night, I may never drink alcohol again. <laughs> it's been eight weeks since I had a drink yeah. or nine weeks or whatever. I've never felt better. I don't crave it. I don't miss it. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, I don't know. I'm not a moderation guy. You're kind of, I'm, um, I'm, you know, like, like I'm not, I'm not going to fast once for 36 hours. I'm going to do it um, once a week for a year. So right. I can say I didn't eat for 60 days last year. You know what right. I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, I, I may, may, I'm not one to, I don't know about moderation. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you think, so you talked about, you know, having, the the Gatorade and that not be you know uh, the aspiring athlete doesn't need the Gatorade maybe even though the top top of the heap uses it what are because you've been around this world for a while what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people like us edu educated nutrition people in CrossFit who understand sugar anti-sugar whatever and practice a relatively healthy diet and lifestyle what are the biggest mistakes you've seen people still make despite this knowledge that we or that whatever amount of knowledge we possess um i heard greg glassman say one time in front you know actually a, a bunch of times hey i want to tell you that um exercise is the holy grail of health and it's the holy grail of having a nice body and it's the holy grail but the truth is it's not mm -hmm. it's diet right and i don't know if he said it would get you to the 80 yard line or the 90 yard line but the biggest mistake i've made and that i would guess people make around me is you know there was a time when i was working out three times a day and i didn't feel as good as i feel now and why because i was eating like shit right not not even eating like shit <laughs> actually yeah. right not even eating like shit but um because i never ate, i haven't eaten like shit in 20 years but right um But if you're working out and drinking soda pop, like you really like uh, to pick two extremes, mm -hmm. if you're doing CrossFit and drinking soda pop, like you really need to have a talk with yourself. Like when I started right. CrossFit, I would smoke cigarettes once in a while <laughs> or maybe more than once in a while. And like it, and, and it ha and one of them had to go. Yeah. yeah. And that one was obvious because you get winded. Right. But, um, but diet takes a little more time, right? Like right. you just worked out. And so then you put on your, you take your iPhone, you just worked out, you're 25 years old. You fucking just did some fucking crazy workout with 800 meter runs, 300 pound mm -hmm. deadlifts and GHDs. Mm -hmm. And you put your headphones in and you call your girlfriend and say, you're walking a mile to the ice cream shop for your cool down. And she yeah. should meet you over there and you eat the fucking three scoops of Ben and Jerry's. It's like, don't do it. Right. If I if that's the one regret and that's cla that was classic me, right? Yeah. Like wake up in the morning, eat a huge breakfast, go to the park, work out, go have some ice cream, come home, work out. I mean, it was just stupid. I'd be very and, and you'll be so rewarded if you don't. It's not just right. sorry. Let me even nope. say something smarter than yeah. it's stupid. You'll be so much happier right. <laughs> if you don't, with no exception. There's yeah. no one who's gonna be more happier. You'll be so happy that you had the willpower to abstain from that ice cream and the results will be magnified.
Yeah. I'd be really interested to like see behind and like see like real science behind, you know, if people who are, if you finish a three hour training session, the classic knowledge that I grew up with playing rugby and playing soccer and playing basketball and playing all these sports at like relatively high levels is that you're in this window when you finish, when your glycogen stores need to be replenished. And if you drink that Gatorade, it's not going to cause the problems that it would if you weren't in that crazy state of your body's instantly going to utilize it. And so it negates the negative side effects. Now, I'm not saying that's true, but that's what we were indoctrinated Me with. Too. In Me too. Yep, me too. So I'd be very interested to know how much that holds a candle to like actual science. And on the flip side, what you said about like you feel better now than you did when you're training three times, like I don't feel awesome a lot of the time. And I wonder if that's because I'm training so much or if it's because I am force feeding myself most of the time to equal out that training in a lot of ways. Because if I don't eat enough, I know I feel even worse. But eating enough, enough is hard. Like I don't want to eat breakfast in the morning, but I know if I don't force myself to eat this cup of oatmeal and egg whites, like it, I, I, I die in training. Like I can't handle it. Like it doesn't work with what I'm, what I'm doing right now. And, you know, it, there's always the yin and yang in my brain of like, man, should I just shut this off? And like, I might, I'm now, I'm not going to do this past, you know, X years. Like this is something I'm just doing because I'm young and I have this channel and it's part of my content. It's just whatever. It's the world right now. I know it's not something I want to do forever, but I genuinely wonder, I'm like, how really healthy is this to be eating, you know, two uncooked cups of rice a day and which mass is like 305 grams of carbohydrates just from the rice. And like, you know, is it, am I, am I genuinely that much healthier than someone who is just training an hour a day and like eating a lot less than me? I don't know, but I can, yeah, it's, it, it sounds like something in you eventually is going to have to change, but I will tell you this sure. here, here's something I really, really, really know about training because you're young and you can train so much. You should be always working on things that you can't do. So you should always be working on triple unders. You should always be working on planches. You should always be working on your iron cross. You should always be working on learning a backflip because what happens is eventually, and it's really kind of weird, you reach an age where you're kind of just in maintenance. I know there's going to yeah. be a few, few people who are 45 are like, fuck you speak for yourself. Okay. <laughs> just for myself. But, um, but I'm 48 and like, it's really about, it's really about maintenance. Yeah. It's really about like um, the first five minutes of working out is, so when I was 25, when I was your age, I could just, you know, you get to the beach, you open a beer as you're carrying your cooler down, you pour the yeah. whole thing in and then you're running as fast as you can for a Frisbee, right? right. And diving in the ocean, you don't give a shit. Yeah. Body's ready to go. Yep. At 48, the first five minutes is so fucking hard. Right. And as soon as you cross, and that's why probably a lot of people don't work out as they get older. And I'm assuming the same ways as if you're obese, like the first, even if you're young, the first yeah. five minutes must be so fucking hard, but yeah. then something happens and you get some elasticity and you get flowing mm -hmm. and you're, and you get some deep breaths in and you're like, damn, this is easy. So while you're young, I would build your biggest fucking tool chest ever. And I yeah. think I kind of got this from Chris Spieler as he got older. He's like, Hey, you have to be smarter with your training as you get older. Cause you don't recover as fast and you have a smaller window to, to do stuff. So man, whatever you want to experiment with, experiment with it now, keep mm -hmm. fucking with your diet, but really like, like 
like get a slack line, get yeah. some, make sure you spend a lot of time on the rings, make sure, mm-hmm. you know, like do really just like, uh, just shit. That's just like sucks. Cause yeah. there's no excitement in it. And there's no, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but do it. Dude, my biggest encouragement to people, especially young people, is to also who are obsessed with CrossFit because obviously those are the people that are watching my videos and sending me messages and they're like, hey, I'm like 16 years old or 15 years old and I want to go to the CrossFit Games. Like, you know, I'm going to devote my whole life to this. I usually tell them not to. I usually tell them to like, don't stop playing your sports. In fact, do less CrossFit and play more sports. And I think that like, as far as general adaptation when you're younger, it's like the more things even outside of our world that you can do, the better. And like, no, that's something you know Wayne Gretzky he was like one of the last great hockey players to not play hockey all year round and he really preaches the importance of having an off season where you play another sport when you're growing up because there's so many kids who are six years old now and all they do is hockey year round year obviously I'm Canadian so that's where this is coming from but like year round year round year round nothing but hockey I'll dry it whatever and it's like you miss so much adaptation and the amount of people like when I was coaching CrossFit like I had this passion to be like hey every single warm-up, we're just going to like throw balls around or something like hey, there there are these people who consider themselves so fit but don't know how to throw and catch a ball and it blows my <laughs> mind or like know how to fall down like the only reason i'm not dead right now from falling off my electric skateboard at 40 kilometers an hour multiple times is because i know how to fall like i spent my right. whole childhood getting smacked to the ground in rugby and in, in soccer and whatever and like i know how to fall and so I'm confident that I can rest on those laurels when I hit the pavement. And it's like these, these intangible skills and motor patterns that you develop as a kid. You know, we can go on a whole separate conversation about maintaining those as you, as you age, but it's really important to put those in. That's why I think it's so cool when I see your Instagram videos with your kids with this fun house in your garage. Like that's every kid's dream just to be able to hit balls around and, you know, swing on things and climb on things like, oh my goodness, dude, that's so cool. But it's that principle of like, yeah, do as much as you can. And even if you want to be a, a top level CrossFit Games athlete, like you're going to benefit from having years of, you know, other sports under your belt versus just doing thrusters and pull-ups from the time you're four. Um, my well said, my son, Avi has been doing jujitsu three days a week for two years, mm-hmm. pretty much hasn't missed a class. And now that he's riding a skateboard every single day, when he crashes, I see him slap his hand on the cement to break his fall. I see him roll. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I don't see any, and I'm, that's all jujitsu, mm-hmm. but there, I mean, there's something like if you're doing CrossFit and you're young and you're not doing jujitsu, you're pro- probably missing out. You're like, that's yeah. a, what a perfect compliment. They're both crazy functional, crazy mm-hmm. functional, but then, but then you don't get that obsession with CrossFit and it is really fun to get obsessed about with CrossFit. I mean, totally. it's so fun. Dude, there's a reason why there's so many people obsessed with it and there's a reason why i'm able to create a platform just basically off of it because there's enough people that care enough to obsess over these athletes and the content that's created around them but it's yeah there it's hard to see sometimes but you gotta wipe the eyes and be like there is there is more out there physically that you can take advantage of too and anyone who wants to be a professional crossfit athlete should really like i mean you think they're life choices yeah yeah yeah, yeah, i tell people there's there's no there there's no there there I no. mean, the UFC has been going 30 years um, and, and, you know, there's people on the main card who, who still make, you know, less than $20,000 a fight. Like there's, and, and CrossFit's nowhere near where the UFC is. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and even, even like, it's, it's not even that, even look at tennis. There's like, right. What like, or, or, or golf, there's like 150 guys in the top. And then of those only like 
a few of them, especially in tennis, are making a living. I mean, it's professional sports is crazy. Yeah, and you're going to get hurt. Professional sports are dangerous. Dude, it's all of 100%, 100%. them. 100%. All of, all of them. them. All of them. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'd like to be the worried parent. Like, I would support yeah. my kid, but like, it's nothing I, I'm not, I have no desire for my kid to play professional sports. It's too yeah. dangerous. And here's the thing, right? As I say, rethink the life choice. It's not even, I totally get where you're coming from. But I also think that in today's world, there's lots of ways to monetize. Like, currently, right now, I'm a professional athlete. My whole day is centered around me training three to four hours a day. And I am like 6,000 times less fit than actual professional athletes. But I have sponsors and I get paid basically just to work out. But that's because I put it on the internet. And so this, you know, a, a CrossFit Games athlete aspiring could do the same thing, whatever. That's right, there. right. Why I tell people to rethink their life decisions is because I know the difference between me just training three to four times a day and me actually trying to be a top level athlete, which I am not, is insane the commitment these people have the sacrifices they make yeah it's not healthy in the sense of like what you're doing to your body for sure there's going to be long-term ramifications going to be injured. not to downplay it at all i've been an athlete my whole life i totally have made sacrifices in my life against my long-term health to play sports i love playing sports but it's just something you have to take into consideration and people don't realize that people think being a crossfit athlete is the sexiest thing on planet earth when you're into crossfit and it is tough do you think um do you think Matt Fraser will or Rich will step down from CrossFit because they can't compete at the level that they want to compete or do you think it will be injury? And do you think we'll ever know the truth? Um it's tough, man. It's tough. Like CrossFit is one of those funny sports where it's so it's so centered around your actual physical prowess. Like you can slow down a little bit in the NBA and still be a pretty good player. Like Vince Carter's still on contract and he it doesn't really come off the bench much until, you know, a few minutes into each quarter, but he's still there and it's not as looked down upon. I think in CrossFit, it's so much more obvious when you start to slip, like you're just your placement all of a sudden, why aren't you first? You're 10th. What that now you're awful and you get forgotten, right? Like, so I think the, the temptation to not let yourself slip on that stage is much greater, especially if you have the success of a Fraser or a Froning, like you have these accolades you want to pull the first time the Jordan and retire on top and whatever. And, but I don't know, man, I think the thing too, with today's day and age is it's so hard to compare to the past because now these people have such a greater ability to, if you win the games four or five times, there's no need for you to, to go to the games anymore or to work anymore. If you did it right. You know what I mean? Fraser set for life, Froning set for life on all these things they've built off their platforms that have come from this. Oh yeah. Let's be very clear about that. It's things they've built. <laughs> off of they've parlayed right their success they right. they get the credit for all of it yeah yeah <laughs> right right i mean they're, they they can't retire from their crossfit winnings you you win the crossfit no. you, you you win the crossfit games um uh five times and let's say that's a million and a half dollars and then the government takes 750,000 of that and then you buy a house for uh 780,000 and now you're 30,000 in the hole Dude, <laughs> so yeah, totally. It's so, it's, so Matt, it, 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 I don't know their finances, but if Matt and Matt and Rich are set for life, which they pro I think they are, it, it's, it's all a credit to them. It's well, yeah, it's a, it's the platforms They're, that have been built around them and they've been allowed to yeah. build through kind of this, this sport that they've been gifted yeah. to perform at, but it's, comp yeah, you're a hundred percent right. That's obviously, it's definitely not just the winnings from CrossFit and it's, there's very few people in fact, probably no people who would who would make a life purely just off their winnings from CrossFit competitions because 
you know, you win $500,000 in a season, your shelf life as a cro- top level CrossFit Games athlete winning $500,000 a season, like Fraser is pushing the envelope of that now of five years. Like I, I have a hard time believing it's going to exceed much past that amount of time that you can be at that level. So $500,000, five years, that's 2.5 million. You can't live off 2.5 million from 30. That's not going to last you forever. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of money. Especially you see all that, you see all that food Sammy's cooking. She's burning through his cash cooking all that. Dude, it's crazy. It's uh, how impressive is she, by the way? Yeah, dude, the spouses of of some of these CrossFit athletes are just like masterminds in so many ways. And what yeah, Sammy's been impressive. able to parlay off of this opportunity she's been giving with Fraser with this feeding the Fraser's thing is genius, man. And it's not genius. a slam dunk. She could have fucked it up. Yeah, she totally easily fucked. It oh up. my she, goodness, she killed it. Dude, and like it, it would have been exactly. It's that initial attention that she had, sure, from Fraser, but she absolutely masterminded the the execution of it. Instead of, yeah. it's so easy to get attention and then have nobody care after your first post. It's like when you see someone start a YouTube channel. It's my favorite, my favorite character study in people is they start a YouTube channel and anyone with like a couple hundred followers on Instagram gets five hundred views in their first video, and the second video is down a little bit, and the third video goes down a little bit, and by the fourth video, it's like twenty people. And you have to take a real gut check of like, do I actually care about this? Is what I'm doing working? And then you you reinvent. And she's been able to like, it's it's so impressive, man. Hundred percent. Yeah, you just described my YouTube channel. Thank you, <laughs> dude. It's time, man. It's trenches. I am in the trenches with this thing. It's tough, man. It's tough. I have to. Um, I this is the longest podcast I've ever been on or hosted. Hey, cool. And in 10 minutes, I'll be striking coaches coming. Okay. But I no really, worries, enjoy, I really enjoyed this and I hope I lived up to your expectations. I take coming on people's podcasts very seriously to bring the energy and the, the, to, to keep the conversation provocative. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. I think, thoughtful. It was, I think it was fun. I think it was cool to, to touch base and, and have conversations around all these different topics within the world. So yeah, I appreciate it, bro. It was really cool. I hope we did can connect th- again. Did you think I was going to flake? No. Okay, good. No. Because we hadn't been in touch in a couple of days, and I was like, oh, I bet you he's not even going to think I'm going to show up. No. I, I usually okay. trust people for the most part. Right. I, I, the only thing I thought was that maybe, like you said it with Ben Bergeron, that you were just going to get anxious and not want to do it. But I was like, why would he get anxious to come on my podcast? <laughs> I, I, I just – I, I get anxious, I, I, and I do get anxious every yeah. time right before. Like, mm-hmm. I get really, really – I just want to do a fucking good job. That's so, dude, I wanted to ask that. I, I won't keep you just leave when you need to leave, but it's just because I, <laughs> I, I like, I don't, I, I've never felt nervous for any oh. ever. Oh, I get crazy. I get, I'm, I'm shot out of a cannon. Like last night when I go to bed, oh, like, funny. like if I'm going to do this podcast, I'll have to, like, I sleep, I'll sleep make sure that no one's touching me. Like I'll be when I'm sleeping, I'll make sure I fall asleep in the perfect way. I'll make sure I wake up. Like I have to wake up extra early. Dude, that's make so sure funny. I drink just enough coffee. I take a shower. Yeah. Dude, I just fly by the seed of my pants and it like, I just, I love it. I genuinely love it. I love well, you're every great bit at of this. You're great at it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you. Yeah. All right, bro. Go have fun with your kids and striking coaches. All right, brother. Stay in touch and congrats on the new mic. Thanks, man. Appreciate send me, it. Send, send me your old one. <laughs> <laughs> it's right here. This was the old oh, one. Oh, awesome. <laughs> All right. I'll All see right. you later, buddy. Take Bye. care. Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,